Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make That's us. That's Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> that's the catch on Blog Talk Radio. And that's what we we like to do. We're trying to make, do what we can as believers to make the world uh, a, a better place. Now, of course, that that's all primarily about the gospel. But it also has to do with how we live in the world and how we treat people and the what kind of reputation we have as Christians. And it's, it's no surprise to anyone listening to me right now that that kind of reputation has been somewhat besmirched in the last 30 years um, by what we now call a, either a Christian subculture or the Christian right or you know, we can go way back to the the moral majority and the Christian coalition, and and uh, and and now it's even hard to call yourself an evangelical. You know, evangelical used to be really good. You know, that was like Wheaton College. That was a a thinking. You know, like C.S. Lewis is a great evangelical, and uh, and now an evangelical is someone who is kind of way over to the right side of the political spectrum and is uh, uh, making things obnoxious for uh, for people. Uh, unfortunately, that's not true, but that is the impression that many people in the world have. And certainly, I think uh, Christians have been somewhat responsible for making that impression. So, uh, you know, we... We've got a long ways to go, and uh, um, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's actually exciting right now. I believe thrilling to be a Christian because we're not we're not going by any of the labels anymore. You can't because they're all they're all wrong, and so you start from scratch. You got to learn how to say it. You have to learn how to articulate your faith, and 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 you have to learn. To, to be a follower of Jesus, do something different and, uh, and, and stand out for that and, and be loving and people full of grace and mercy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and faith and goodness and all those great fruits of the Holy Spirit, which uh, the world desperately is lacking severely right now. So uh, I'm, I'm giving you too much of an introduction here and taking too much away from our, our guests because uh, I really am excited to be able to introduce to you somebody I get to interview who up until now has interviewed me. Uh, she uh, was uh, with a radio station in um, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, 
executive director, mid-morning host of, of the station WBCL, a Christian radio station. And uh, But of all the people, uh, I told you, I like, I like on Blog Talk Radio to have the people that I, my really favorite people that stand out. And Char is one of them because I spend a lot of time uh, with Christian radio and doing interviews. And uh, this is a woman who is different. I can tell you, first of all, she's read my books. That was very unusual. No one ever reads your book that interviews you. And uh, she actually read it and could talk intelligently about it. And I, as we discuss things, because a lot of what I've been talking about all along are my concerns for the Christian subculture and where it came from and, and what's right and what's wrong about it. And uh, I found out that here was somebody on the inside who, who a lot of my misgivings, uh, she was, she was feeling too. We, we, we had, we hit a, we hit a chord here. And uh, that's what, uh, Made me so excited about our guest and excited to be able to talk to her, especially now that she is no longer in in the subject. It's like she's 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 out of the cult and now she can talk. Uh, so uh, we're so happy to have our guest Shar Beakley with us today on Blog Talk Radio. Shar, welcome to the catch. Well, thank you, John. And it's very interesting to be on this end of the microphone, so to speak, after having interviewed you on your excellent book so many times. It's good to be with you. Uh, that's the way I used to uh, even note that that uh, I truly I truly wrote a book was when uh, I I get to have an interview with you. And uh, well, you know. You know, John, you said that I actually read the books, and um, when I went into radio, one of the first things I thought, okay, what are my goals? My very first goal from day one was to encourage and get Christians to think, um, really? I, and I didn't mean that disrespectfully. I just meant I wanted them to think deeply rather than just absorb what was going on around them. And your books uh, were very, very helpful. Oh, my, Real Christians Don't Dance, amazing. Um, and your book on uh, fearless living, fearless faith, yeah. those books were ones that they, they encouraged me. They pushed me forward in my goal to get people to think. And when I interviewed you, you were able to help them in addition to help them to think and think deeply about what they were doing uh, and why and, and how to see the difference between a preference and a Christian truth. Those are my two goals, mm. encourage Christians to think and see the difference between their preferences and actually the truth of God's word. Wow. Preference. That's the word you use, right? Between I use the word prefer- preference, mm-hmm. their, their preferences. What did they prefer as opposed to the, the, what, what was actually in Scripture. Let me give you a couple of really simple illustrations about that. Great. We, started playing, we started playing secular Christmas music. We put that in with our mix. For a few years, we were just basically Christian hymns. We were known as your Christian music, Christmas music station. We started getting calls if any song mentioned Santa Claus <laughs> and negative calls. How dare we as a Christian station have Santa Claus in our in our music words because did not did not we know that if you twist the words around it smell it spells Satan. Oh no! So I would 
I would say to them, okay, is it your preference or is it God's word? And they would say, well, if you tell children about Santa Claus, when they grow up, they won't believe in Jesus because then they found out Santa Claus was a fake. And so I said, well, wait a minute. Would you think with me about that? How many adults have you ever talked to who rejected Jesus? Because Santa Claus was not true, and they were told as children it was. So that's a very simple one. I mean, we can get into much more, many more deep things. But that's just a simple illustration of um, the preference. They preferred not to talk about Santa Claus, and that's fine, but it really wasn't anything that was against what God had said. And same wow. with the biggest, the biggest one, John, which you were involved in, too, was when we went from – uh, just music, I don't know what you want to call it, but when we moved into the genre of hot Christian music, really hot contemporary Christian music, mm. and people would call, you know, and say, I'm never going to listen to you again. I'm never. You're playing that devil music because it was contemporary. And one man said, I'm never listening to you again. I turned to another station and I said, what station? And he said, country. And I said, oh, so you don't like the beat. Oh, he hated the drums. I said, so you don't like the beat of Christian music, but you don't mind listening about love affairs and drinking and all. So, you know, just I was always kind about it. But I was saying, you know, can you think about this? If you want to draw the same conclusion, okay, but think with me. So anyway, John, your books really helped me with that, along with Iaconelli's books and uh, Steve Brown's books and others. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, that's well. That's leading into something I wanted to ask you. What, what were okay. some of your favorite other favorite people uh, uh, besides me? <laughs> well, I think well, we can talk about uh, me I, if you want to. <laughs> the more I think about it, as you as you had given me that question, and I began to think about it, I see. I think that my favorites tended to be those who weren't afraid to question. I grew up in a very, very evangelical home, accepted Jesus at a good news club when I was five, in church many times a week, went to, went to a Bible college for my education before I went on to secular university for my master's. So, John, I had been really what I would call sheltered. And, I, you know, I just I thought, I just believed what everybody told me. I mean, you know, I wasn't allowed to wear slacks. I wasn't allowed to go, oh, my heaven forbid that I would ever go to a movie or any of that. And, and so it was all about what I did to impress Jesus or what I didn't do to impress Jesus. And when I read your book, which I alluded to, uh, and, and then Mike Iaconelli, of course, oh, my goodness, his dangerous wander and his messy spirituality, I mean, mm, those yeah. really began to rock my world. And then, of course, Steve Brown. And then mm. Gloria Gaither and I, for many years, we did a program together every month called Conver- Readings and Conversations. She and I would read the same book. She would, we would read each of us read this book and then come together on the air to discuss it. And if you know Gloria Gaither, you know she just doesn't go along a party line. I mean, she just really, it was just mm. fun. Sometimes we didn't even agree. But it was great. So those kind of things helped mold me. It was it was such a gift from God to be able to t- dig in with authors to a really deep level and get out of it what I got out of it. But then also it encouraged the listeners to think by the way we led them through. So that's kind of a yeah. little capsule of yeah. my goals. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked a little bit about um, that you're reading right now, uh, Myth of uh, Christian Nation. 
by Gregory Boyd. Uh, the myth, that, yeah, the mm-hmm. shaking uh, me. I mean, oh, John, the myth of a Christian nation by Boyd. My husband read it first. And he just kept quoting it every day. And so then now I'm reading it, and we ordered several copies to give away. Um, It just, I mean, he could have written it yesterday. It's several years old, but Boyd could have written it yesterday because it's, oh, just the whole idea of power under and power over and the difference between uh, so many times we get caught up in wanting to have power over people and really – Serving Jesus is all about power under people. I love it. I love it. It's uh, yeah. it's really changed me. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's tell tell. Would you mind telling our listeners about one of the stories you you've served on a number of boards, and probably the big one was was with the uh, the national NRB <clears throat> National Religious Broadcasters, and uh, <clears throat> I understand you walked out of uh, one of those meetings. Could you tell us about that in relationship to this power? power yes. Here? I've, I have resigned and walked out of three boards. Um, and I never did it with anger. I, it wasn't anger. It was walking out with a pierced heart full of pain for one believer being powered over by one or more other believers. And that, to this day, that breaks my heart. Um, mm. But, I, yes, I did. I, I resigned on the spot. I don't want to mention any names, but it was the national board that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And the whole issue was a planned agenda to get rid of the newly elected president of the board because they disagreed with his, in my opinion, his opinion, and I agreed with him totally, was to give the organization a fresh start, totally God-honoring the way to lead the board back to its original mission, which I think we had strayed from because it was becoming more and more a political group, you know, a group that really could form together. Those were in the days of the moral majority and and all of that. I'm I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying we all know that some things came out of that. Anyway, um. So because I and a handful of others were completely overpowered by the rhetoric of the others, the newly elected president was actually removed in that meeting from his position. And um, I resigned, got in my car, I left, went and got my suitcase, got in my car and left the convention. The convention hadn't even started. That was the board before. And I totally left with a broken heart and in tears. How? How could a group gain such power that they could overcome a fellow believer whose heart was as pure as pure could be. Hmm. So it's, and, and that's been, that's been my thing three times. Believers um, hmm. in a group deciding uh, to harm another individual because of their preference. Again, I'm using preference hmm. um, of what they wanted to see happen. So anyway, it was a very sad time and, it's happened twice since, and um, yeah, and like I said, I don't leave out of anger. I leave because my heart is just broken for the one who is being who, who's being looked down on. Because you see, we have such an opportunity as believers for for helping to redeem others. Another one. I'm just going to share this one quickly with you, John. Um, 
the lead, the president of an organization, a Christian organization, he confessed to a moral failure, and I was on his board. And he was totally repentant, willing to do whatever the board felt necessary for redemption. So an emergency board meeting was called, and the vote presented was that we would immediately fire him. And I spoke up. I was the only woman on the board, but I spoke up, and I asked if it was possible to provide him with an office position or some position behind the scenes so that we could keep his salary going and let him proceed with counseling and still being able to support his family uh, with small children. I, I explained that I believed in restoration, and who better than us, John? John, who better than us? To dearly oh. love someone and help them to restoration. And I said that otherwise I just felt we'd be throwing him to the wolves, punishing his family, taking away his livelihood, taking away the opportunity perhaps for him to get a lot of counseling that he needed and wanted. But it fell on deaf ears, and the response was, <laughs> we can't do it. We'll lose donors. Oh. At that point, I broke into tears and stood up and just said, I, I, I must resign. I, I can't be here. God restored him to ministry. God, God uh, his marriage was, remained intact and strong. But we as a board missed an opportunity hmm. to help restore a believer because we felt it would damage the income. Yeah. So yeah. that's when I leave with a broken heart, not anger, but a broken heart. Well, you mentioned you are the only woman on that board. Uh, I would <laughs> imagine, I imagine there are a lot of situations where, uh, you know, you were maybe the only woman in a position of leadership uh, in a pretty much male-dominated subculture. Uh, that must have been. That must must have you must have had some tough times there as well. Yeah, you speak to that maybe a little bit. Well, I'll tell you what. God gave me a gift in a husband who was a family and personal counselor in a medical office. And sometimes I would call him during the day, and I would say, you know, could I just have an hour of counseling tonight on this issue? <laughs> and I don't, I don't know that I would have made it otherwise. I mean, he was amazing. Well, he still is. We're, we're married. We've been married 58 years. And um, he would actually sit down with me, and we, he would draw out, you know, feelings, emotions, response. I mean, the whole thing was, on, was in a drawing that he would help me through so I could picture it. I'm very visual. And um, so I could capture the truth. And I'll never forget, and, John, this is a great example I was on a president's cabinet, and I was the only woman, (laughs) and sometimes I would have an opinion, and I would express it, but I never felt like it was heard, and, but then maybe some, one of the men would bring it up later, and um, it would be a great idea. (laughs) Well, I went home one night, and I said to my husband, I had about a 30-minute drive to get home, and I said to my husband, you know, I don't understand it, but some days when I'm driving home, just this dark cloud comes over my head. And I said, I can't explain it. It's just like this dark cloud moves into my, my person. And he said, well, tell me a little bit about your day. And we began to process it. And I would feel like that mm. on the days of the meetings where I felt discounted. Mm. And he, he taught me something then. Unrealistic expectations lift you up to let you down. And I actually do, did seminars on that until I stopped doing seminars. 
unrealistic. You see, I went into those meetings thinking I would be treated equal. And I'm not blaming the men. Whoever taught the evangelical man what to do with a woman on a committee? Nobody. And so, um, I mean, really, really. I remember one time saying to my husband, if I have to teach you these things, it's not worth it. I don't know. I probably want him to tell me I love you more or something. And he he looked at me and he goes, who would you rather have teach you these things? Men don't know these things. So yeah. I could carry that over, you know, into the world of radio and, yeah. <laughs> and committee meetings and understand that I had to go in with realistic expectations that I was breaking the ground for some men well, on some committees. So anyway, that's a long answer to your question, John. Well, well, that's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing story because, you know, I, uh, on it's a shame. It's a, it's a shame that mm-hmm. that thinking that you would be considered with the same kind of weight that anyone else uh, would be as unrealistic. <laughs> that and mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. that that's what's a shame. And and and, and who's going to teach them? Um, the first thing I thought when you said that, Shar, was how about mm-hmm. Jesus? You know, Jesus has been around for a long time. You know, he should have taught us all that. But <laughs> and I listen. think he, re- I think he, I think he really tried. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you, I love the way he treated women. I love the way that he treated yeah. women. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but somehow we didn't quite get that all translated. <laughs> Oh, boy. but it was a great it was a great journey, and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. I mean, I learned a lot. It was a it was a great journey all the way. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is? Uh, have you been watching what's going on in the world? And and uh, <laughs> you know, the, have the, I been have I been watching what's been going on in the world? Let me tell you, I did great during the COVID shutdown. We okay. just had such fun together. We played games. We watched movies. Steve and I am talking about. And we yeah. just really kind of enjoyed the world leaving us alone. And then the, the riots. I guess we didn't call what we call them. We didn't call them riots. Well, we call I don't know. Anyway, I called them the riots started. And they were burning the cities and everything. And I went into this little period of um, a little bit depressed, I think. And then mm-hmm. a friend who writes these real tremendous truths in 10 lines only wrote this. And I read it on the web. Is it my age, the virus, or the state of the nation that convinces me the world is too big for me? No longer can I shoulder it, nor will I try. And that just turned me around. I thought, you know what? I can't carry the world. I can't be. I was worried. Oh, what about my grandkids? You know what? They're going to be raised in this horrible world. And, And I thought, you know what? My job is to pray. And I can pray and I can love and but I can't carry the world. So, you know, whatever they're going to do, they're going to do. But I'm going to try to live just the very best life I can live and, and, and love others. You wrote a question, something I'm trying. I'm going through my notes here trying to see where that page is. Uh, what can or maybe you're not ready to jump there yet, but what can the no, church fine. do now or what are we supposed to be doing now? Yeah. Remember that? Okay. Well, you know what? I think. I think we're probably supposed to be doing what we should have been doing all along. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know what you said. You, what do you think about the climate of the country, and what do you think the most important thing we need to be doing as Christians? John, 
I read recently this one, this statement, is kingdom blood pumping through my veins? Hmm. Is kingdom blood pumping through my veins? I, I want that. I want that. I want that. I, I know I'll have to remind myself, but um, loving others, I think. I saw a billboard, love others and God will sort out the rest. <laughs> and I thought, that's really true. I'm called, I am called to love others. And I think it's a slow process. It's a slow process when I think about my neighbors and I think how long we've been a witness to them. And, and you can see that you can see a difference coming and you can see them recognizing. And they, and one came over recently and said, could you find a scripture verse for me that I can give to my nephew for his baptism? And, Cause I don't know where to look. And, he said, I knew you'd know where to look in the Bible. Could you just give me some? And, you know, and those kind of things. But it takes a while to love your, love your neighbors and see them come to Christ. Wow. And yet I think for so long we thought it, through, it was going to be through a bunch of programs and a bunch of new, trying new things that would get people to come. And, hmm. and, and it, it really comes down to, to just, I think, loving. And one of the things you wanted to know is what, what's, the most re, what's the most rewarding thing I've done and without a doubt, without a doubt, and I've said this to other people, it's, it's the most rewarding thing is loving my kids and my grandkids with a love that never quits no matter what. And while our two adult children and their spouses are all following the Lord and visibly living for him, John, that's not true for my grandchildren, not mm-hmm. for all of them. Mm-hmm. And one was on one was on heroin for five years, and we nearly lost him many times. But every time I hugged him, I said, I whispered in his ear, I'm so glad you're in our family. I'm so glad you're in our family. I'm so glad you're in our neighborhood. Though that kind of love, and, you know, thank God, after five years of almost losing him, he's now serving in a ministry to others in addiction. But I still have, you know, I'm going to say something, hopefully it, you know, not me, not some people that I know will be hearing, but um, I have a, we have a grandson who decided he's gay. Mm-hmm. He's living in he's living in California, and um, you know, I whisper in his ear, "I'm so glad you're in our family," uh, because it's he says nobody nobody else in my group, grandma, anybody says that to them. Their parents have all rejected them, and their grandparents hate them. But I think whether it's a gay or a heroin addict or my neighbor or the person on the church board committee, I've got to love them. I've got to be glad they're in my world hmm. so that hmm. I can be an influence. I don't know if that's kind of where, that, that's not kind of, that's where, that's where I'm going. Uh, it's kind of the circle I'm moving in because I can't do anything to fix the nation. And I, I, I mean, other than pray, which is very important, but I can't do that. You, you know, can I can't. That. All I can, all I mm-hmm. can do is love those that are in my world, and that's, and that's taking some stretching for me. Yeah, but it's a big deal. That's really big. And that imagine, mm-hmm. uh, imagine if we were all doing that. All people who called themselves Christians were doing that. Mm-hmm. What a different mm-hmm. world we would have. Oh, what if my. we'd been doing that? What if we'd been doing that all along? Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, think of the difference. Think of the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Lots to think about, huh, John? 
Yeah, <laughs> uh, sure is. I knew I knew you would give us that, and uh, I'm not disappointed. And we only have a few minutes left. It goes so fast. Um, you're uh, this organization that I believe you you formed called Remedy Live. Tell us about Remedy. Remedy Live, uh, and you tell me when I have to stop. Um, when I stepped down from leadership in Christian radio after 35 years, and I, I was still on the air, but I stepped down, I felt God telling me to do something for teens. They were on my heart because I had these teenage grandkids. And I was listening to their music, and I was shocked by what I was hearing. I mean, literally shocked. Uh, literally shocked when I heard my grandson's favorite station have a guy singing a song describing his girl doing certain things to herself, which I won't say on the air, but anyway. Um, and so I said, well, God, I don't know what I could do. And he really called me to start what we called back then a, a remedy a radio. It was, re, it was radio at a remedy FM because we were going with radio and we had kids come in, but anyway, they came in and it's, it's changed now. It was a radio station that t- on the internet for teens and we were having, you know, speakers on and music on that they loved. And anyway, but it's, it's really changed now. Now we have what's called soul medics uh, who it's a, it's an online chat. And when you want to, you, you come online, you chat immediately a volunteer who's been trained will talk with you. Mostly they work with those who are potential suicide victims uh, or those who are in drugs or whatever. And they just, they love, they listen, they chat. That's the whole thing. We love, we listen, we chat. Anyway, God called me to do it. I went to my board and they said, well, if you can raise 450,000 or 425, I believe it was 425,000, we'll trust you to go ahead and start this. In five months, we had 500,000. I only went to people that I knew could give, give us $50,000 or more. And in five months, five, I'm, yeah, five months, we had $500,000. And so we started, and it has grown and uh, across the nation and around the world. A place, and, but what they're learning is it's not just teens that are coming. It's 30- and 40-year-olds. And, you know, we're seeing more suicides now than we have in a long time with the lack of hope. And um, so that's what they're there for. So Remedy Live, just go to RemedyLive.com and, that's where you'll see, and a soul medic will say, how can I help you? As soon as you sign on that screen, it'll be, how can I help you? It's all anonymous, so they don't track you down. Um, here's a little, do I have time for one little one-minute story, or are we finished? No, you're fine. We can go over it. When, okay. we, first, all right, when we first started at Remedy, the, we were only on the air. We were only with the Remedy Radio for maybe, a, maybe I think, a month and a half. And uh, we got a call from a young man who said, I'm dying. I'm dying on my mother's living room floor from an overdose. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, it's all anonymous. But the week before, then this young man said his name. But that was all we knew, his name. And the week before, he had won a CD, and it had not been mailed to him yet. And that was in the day before cell phones. So we were able then to get his uh, address and send the police out. Wow! Mm-hmm. And the, and then the net, about oh, a couple of weeks later, he they were taken. They took him to the hospital. He recovered. His mom, he and his mom came into the studio. So that happened within just the first few weeks, and uh, it was just such an affirmation. You know, this is what needs to be 
So, um, yeah, it's a great organization. I'm no longer involved. I turned, I just, uh, I, I said I need to be gone because you're all into the technology. Mm-hmm. You're all into, and it was, it, I, I recognized I was getting, I was moving on <laughs> as the older generation and needed to let those who really were into that. And so it's a great organ. It's a great, great group. And I'm still considered the founder of it, but um, they're, they're moving forward for the Lord and, and helping save lives. Well, we will have to talk to you some more about that, especially Char, because, uh, you know, we we have branched out with the catch into basically being a church, and we're providing prayer mm-hmm. and counseling. And my wife is primarily doing a lot of that, and she has been involved in some suicides and and some you know really serious situations that that we're dealing with as well online. And I think I think we need to uh, talk with you. I think you can give us some help on that for sure. Well, you would you would love interviewing the young man who's running it. He joined me in the very beginning. Uh, he was the first person I I called to be on my research board, and he uh-huh. is now. When I left, he took and he is he's marvelous and has started what's called Get Schooled, where they actually go into the school with uh, musicians and uh, with a message and all just all kinds of creative electronic things where the kids can vote and respond right there in the audience and he can see it up on the screen and uh, amazing so you would love him uh, i'll introduce you to him and and uh, interview him that's great that's great char this was just wonderful i knew it would be but it's, it was better than i thought so <laughs> well uh, thank you son uh, yeah this is great and then uh you brought up the fact that um Maybe you should interview me and uh, on my own show. And I like that idea. Uh, well, John, I love it because we, you've got all these books that we need to, you know, we really want to let your audience know all about them. We want them to know you. If you're, if you're leading this, you know, who are you? So I would love to interview you. It'll be just like the good old days. <laughs> Uh, well, of course, I, I loved a lot of time. You know, I'm a good old narcissistic guy, so I, I love <laughs> All right. Well, we'll do it. Thank you again, Char. This was wonderful. Thanks for taking your time with us today. Appreciate it. My privilege. Thank you, John. Goodbye. Okay. Bye-bye. Whoa. That was wonderful. Huh? Okay, you guys. Listen, You're listening go back, to catch listen John. to this later, you know, preference or truth, unrealistic expectations lift you up and bring you down, and kingdom blood pumping in your veins. A lot to think about there. God bless you. Join us next week for a, a, another great discussion on... Blog Talk Radio with the catch. Bye-bye.